0: Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement.
1: And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life.
0: Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real life consummate athletes.
1: We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another Consummate Athlete podcast, another Friday quick hit episode. Today we're all about gear a consummate athlete should have, but it's not what you think. Uh, and we're also celebrating some pretty exciting news: our new book, *Becoming a Consummate Athlete*, is out this Sunday, November fifteenth
0: of twenty twenty. Yes, we're excited for this book to launch. You know, the people have been receptive to the idea of some of these habits and, and best practices for you know doing the best at whatever sports and movements you you choose to do.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I really think the book is going to help people, you know, not just improve their training and sort of fit their lifestyle around their training, but also, you know, just kind of lead to a happier, healthier lifestyle in general. You know, whether you currently don't have time to put in, you know, 10 hours a week or eight hours a week or whatever into your sport, because life is a little hectic. I think there there are still a bunch of tips and tricks in here that are going to Help kind of put you on the right direction so that when when you can get back to training you're sort of really set up for it
0: that's right yeah there's uh, we last week we did a supplements uh, podcast that sort of drew from that chapter so there's a chapter that sort of helps you choose supplements and be smart about supplementation there's certainly a nutrition chapter that talks about you know as you would imagine whole foods and, and this sort of stuff but again trying to sort of choose the, the diet for you and then this week we're looking at gear here on the podcast and, yeah. and just choosing gear wisely, given that, you know, we're suggesting you do a, a many different sports. So this does create a gear challenge, especially for those that are like us and, and live in, you know, sort of compressed spaces, condos and so forth.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of condos, the chapter before the one we're talking about today is sort of all about the idea of organizing the gear that you already have, uh, I- Make the condo joke because you know a lot of it is sort of in reference to Marie Condo's, uh, really great decluttering books and you know her idea of sparking joy and you know a lot of what I've talked about in organizing your gear is the idea of paring down and just having the gear that that really works for you. And I know this year in particular is a little weird when it comes to what gear to buy. I know Peter was on like a mission earlier this year to buy all of the weightlifting equipment for our very small condo and. We had a lot of um, discussions and debates over whether or not a 100 pound dumbbell was, in fact, a reasonable purchase.
0: Turns out it's rel- relative to me, it's a big dumbbell. So we opted not to buy a single 100 pound dumbbell, but still not sure. Still not sure. I was talking to a client today, and she was saying that, uh, like, she's at university. And um, yeah, I guess the the guys down the road, like, and I imagine this is common, you know, because they can't go to the gym. They all have barbells in, in the, the frat houses, the houses, the, what do you call these condo, the student, student housing. Right. And I can just imagine how many barbells are getting, you know, thrown into people's faces onto tables through walls and so forth. It must must just be dangerous. I mean, it is, but dangerous times at school for that reason.
1: I live in fear. Peter has a 70 pound kettlebell and he does kettlebell swings every morning while I'm doing yoga. And I live in fear of it just going into yeah, no, me. That, it
0: it like actually happens that I do it, but you're living in fear that like I'm going to throw it through the glass doors.
1: Into me, into the dog, into the glass. Oh. It could go a lot of different ways.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's definitely gear. Um, uh, so
1: what made me what made me want to write this chapter was really the, the fact that we know so many people who won't start a sport because they don't have exactly the right gear right like oh i can't go fat biking in the winter because i don't have a pair of thermal bib tights or i can't go out for a stand-up paddleboard because i don't own a stand-up paddleboard
0: yeah and maybe on the flip side you know i tell throughout the book there's stories that i've taken or, or amalgamated from clients at least you know kept them anonymous certainly so no clients should be worried um but you know i have a lot of clients that are fortunate In their, you know, their their socioeconomic status. And so they're able to get a lot of stuff. But this can almost become, you know, we either are, uh, you know, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're sort of, you know, we won't start something, as you say because we don't have the right gear or we have so much gear and stuff that it's just in a disarray, it's disorganized. It's hard to choose the correct bike. We don't have the exact bike we need. And this becomes, you know, almost like the same problem but in a different form, right? You know, it's lack of choice or paralysis by choice, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And we wanted to put this episode out right now because we know a lot of people are, are gearing up for winter here and, you know, that might mean you're considering, you know, if you should get a smart trainer, if you should get a fat if, you'd, if you should invest in new cross-country skis and, you know, all of the small gear that goes with them, right? Do you need the purpose-built fan for the trainer? Do you need the winter tights for the fat bike? Do you need a full-on Nordic ski suit for the, the skis? Um, right. You know, the list can kind of go on and on. So I wanted to kind of present just the the framework that we use when we're thinking about what gear to bring into the house.
0: Okay, and there's eleven items today. Are you going to give a, a all of them? Or are you going to tease them? What is your What is your choice? I
1: think you know what. I think we're gonna give we're gonna give it all away here. We're gonna we're gonna talk through all okay. eleven. She's flipping through I'm flipping, flipping through. You can through. hear the pages. This
0: is a This is a pre copy book, so not exactly the one you'll be able to order on Sunday. There'll definitely be Kindle edition, you know, or or well, just it's, I guess it's just Kindle. You can't do like Kobo or something, but yeah, yeah, or or in, certainly in paper.
1: Yes. And I will say I'm going to go through these pretty quickly um, and there's going to be there's a lot more to it in the book. So definitely. Right. So you're sort of reading, reading headings
0: and maybe we'll pick a few to extrapolate upon.
1: Yeah, exactly. OK, so the first one sounds pretty obvious, but it has to be long lasting. And this right. is I'm going to say more of a clothing issue. But, you know, I know so many people that have just piles and piles of clothing, you know, for whatever sport that they do don't really wear because it's you know it's got a hole in it at this point or you know it just never fit perfectly but you got it off the clearance rack at you know your sport check or dick's sporting goods or wherever Um, and it just you know kind of just crappy quality
0: I think it probably goes for lots of things though you know I was just looking for my headlamp as the the light decreases and the, the we just had time shift here and you know we've I've had you know, many years where I'd get just a crummy one and then they'd break and the batteries are, you know, really like they don't last long and they're different, weird batteries, big batteries, they're heavy, it slides down your face and then you don't use it, right? So it's, the difference in price is really not that much. And the one I have is, you know, a a pretty good one. Again, not a, a huge you know, expense, but a little bit more and it's lasted. Now we're on like four or five seasons, a couple laps of, you know, big adventures in the backcountry and getting thrown around gear bags and it's still, still kicking.
1: Yeah. And just from like that environmental sustainability standpoint, you know, the more durable gear you can get, the longer it lasts, the less you need to, you know, fill up landfills with your ripped shorts.
0: Yeah, we had uh, puffy coats, you know, we resisted, I don't know if we want to say brands, but everyone knows the puffy coat that's, you know, tends to be bought and we resisted getting it for a long time just because it was a little bigger ticket item, but the other ones didn't last and these ones have been amazing and we wear them all the time and I think we're going on to at least into the second season now, but they've already been through quite a bit.
1: Yes, they have. Yes. Uh, So the other thing is it has to have at least two uses. So this one, you know, is not going to always be the case, (laughs) however... (laughs) <laughs> apologies guys Peter's just <laughs> spilled tea on himself
0: yes I was just doing a presentation this past week um for like a downhill ski organization um and I was talking about our white carpets and I had just spilt like just before the presentation I had spilt uh, just like it was like protein powder for some reason I decided I needed ice cubes in my protein powder I was like being experimental so it was like basically chocolate milk with ice cubes just everywhere DW's watching me our little dog and I just like all over the white carpet and he's just looking at me and then licking the protein powder and then looking at me like i'm a moron
1: meanwhile i was just telling you that oh good i'm glad you already had worked into your presentation that you were going to spill stuff on our carpet yeah anyway
0: that's an aside but so
1: anyway gear has to have at least two uses or fill a niche that you absolutely like can't fill with with something else So in, you know, in the case of fat biking, the fleece line tights are really tempting, right? The ones with the built-in chamois and sure, they're going to look great. They're going to be cozy. Um, But unless you're like super serious and fat biking really frequently, you're probably going to be just fine with a pair of bib shorts and your cross-country ski tights or, you know, whatever run tights you have pulled up over them. And then you can use the run tights or cross-country ski tights for, you know, snowshoeing or skiing or running or any other thing
0: yeah like we definitely want to you know your PSA is usually you know you keep the chamois right to the skin so no underwear and no tights between which you know might be news for some folks but we don't want to be you know picking on people because and you see this sometimes you know cyclists picking on people because they're wearing as you say yoga tights or something different or uh, in cross-country skiing I've been made fun of you know for wearing cycling gear right and it's just it just doesn't matter right it's fine exactly try and like encourage people to try the sport right and maybe they get you know the right stuff the 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 sport specific stuff as they go
1: exactly uh next thing it has to fit well you know i i know a lot of people again you hit the clearance rack you get something that's like just just like maybe a little too small a little too big and then you just don't end up wearing it like i can say i wear the same you know six run shirts the same like three cycling jerseys just kind of on repeat because I know they fit well. And I, ha- you know, in the past I've had drawers full of stuff that didn't quite fit that I didn't want to get rid of because I'd, you know, paid a lot of money for it, but it just didn't fit. So now if I'm going to buy something like it's going to be super comfortable, you know, it's going to fit the way I want it to fit or it's going back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to have minimal choice sometimes too, right? Exactly. Especially in those, like the jerseys and the Run tops and shorts.
1: Yeah, um, it has to go with everything. And this one, you know, you can make this. You can maybe argue against it, but I also know a lot of people who end up with all these different colors of stuff because they don't really think through, you know, how it's going to look with with everything else they own. And now you've got, you know, your lime green bike shorts that don't really match your all like maroon red jerseys. And for some people, you're not going to care, and that's totally fine. But Uh, you know, I've had a lot of stuff sit in my drawers because it didn't really match any of my other stuff. So I just didn't actually wear it.
0: Yeah. And maybe there is a spectrum on that, I guess. Right. But there's maybe, I'm trying to think of of examples that aren't like obviously fashion, but you know, it could be, it could be, you know, it just like sometimes getting that wild colored thing maybe isn't something you're going to like long-term or, you know, maybe an argument for keeping more to like your, I don't know, your blacks and whatever. I don't know. Right. Like the
1: Yeah. I think it's just important to be aware of what you're going to wear. Like if you're going to wear whatever wacky colors and you don't really care if things clash, then fine. But you know just just keep it in mind as you're looking through stuff don't just buy it i think this happens especially with clearance stuff right like something will be on clearance if you get it in the hot pink but the black version is still uh, like that 25 yeah. percent more Where
0: the trends even like i know i've gotten burnt i guess probably the most obvious thing is like getting arm warmers and different things that were you know there was a year where neon and what is it neon or hive is right yeah. and, then, and then it's like the next year you like you have all this perfectly good stuff and then it's you know i had jackets and stuff we ended up with the team I was on we ended up with a bunch of stuff and it was just like seemed like a good idea at the time right and then not that high viz is wrong but it was just like it was a lot of high viz stuff
1: yeah and you just weren't really into it I so ride like,
0: a mountain bike most of the time yeah. so it's a little out of place
1: yeah um, so it has to be a staple or we both have to agree on it um, the, the example I came up with this or for this is our instant pot I think it was like two years of like me campaigning that we should get an instant pot before you finally caved
0: yeah, we maybe had to have a slow cooker break because we had a slow cooker and I was like fine with that. But yeah, the number of gadgets and stuff around. And so you're including kitchen stuff with yeah. our gear as well, which I think is smart. You know, it's the kitchen's important. The cooking's important.
1: Well, and all of this is really just so you don't end up with so much crap that you don't end up getting things done right it's sort of like what you said if you have like five bikes that are back to back to back to back back, back in the job, garage you
0: know, to keep it all neat and clean and organized
1: yeah and same with the kitchen right like if your instant pot is jammed behind like 18 different blenders and other you know assorted kitchenware and it's a pain in the ass to get out you're not going to end up pulling out the instant pot to make your whole chicken and have your like lovely meal
0: yeah, or soup, or what else do we use in the instant pot?
1: I mean, soup and chicken are pretty much the two. Yeah, big I'm things. just
0: so amazed at how easy we just plop a whole chicken in there and it just cooks. Like we don't do anything else. No, just, it's amazing. Just, it's like a cook it, a chicken with a bit of water. Maybe we put like some salt or spice on it or something.
1: So you know what? This isn't just us. I was just talking to Leah Davison, the pro mountain biker, Olympian, awesome it's, human.
0: Leah eats a lot on the socials yeah for
1: yeah and i was working on an eat like an elite piece for bicycling magazine about her and she actually does the exact same thing with a chicken in the instant pot
0: yeah it's definitely nice you go out for a walk and dinner's ready but
1: so good Um, all right next thing uh there should be a price limit that you know you have to stick to and whether it's with yourself you've set a budget you've gone through your expenses for the year you sort of know what you can spend on that because i think a lot of people get caught up in buying gear and then suddenly when race season runs or like comes around you know travel to races is expensive hotels for races are expensive race entries are expensive Um, and it's one of those like if you have a little bit as peter likes to say if you have some slack in the system if you've got a little space in the budget that extra day in the hotel or like that extra meal out or something isn't going to be a big deal. But if you've, you know, gone hard on this really pricey wheel set or something, you may, you know, find yourself sleeping in your van the night before the race instead of in a hotel, which can be problematic.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of the right now, the like smart trainer, you know, power meter, uh, you know, fat bike, cross country skis. Like these are all things that sort of overlap in seasonality and budgets. And so people are making, you know, that's, it's a big expense. If you were looking at getting all of that stuff right now, you know, that's something you could maybe build over many years, but you know, a few clients, you know, I I definitely try and like the smart trainers are hot and everyone loves, you know, the different online platforms, but it's one of those things, if you were tight on budget, you definitely maybe want to, you're definitely, maybe you'd, you'd want to look at power meters and, and ways that you can get outside ideally. Right. Especially when we're thinking about this from this consummate athlete idea, you know, what is, especially with all the Zuma, this is, I was talking to another client today, just, we're all spending so much time on screens, right? So it, like investing in things that are going to put us more inside and more in screens versus, you know, again, if the budget was limited, where would you spe- spend, right? And this isn't, there's no wrong answer, there's no right answer, but, you know, at some point there's decisions, right? And, and it's, what is this? It's this like, you have to make a decision, right? You, yeah. we, you can't necessarily have them all at once.
1: I think it's also important to have this discussion with your partner and know sort of what your budget limits are and stuff, Uh you know, for, for us, like I'm not gonna have to add, like talk to Peter about every pair of shorts that I buy, but if I wanted to buy, you know, a new bike or a wheel set, that's that's a discussion. So just just know where you're at with that. Uh, so the other one similar to that is, does the cost per use or space per use make sense? So for us, you well, know, the
0: dumbbell maybe is a good example. Dumbbell is a great example because it wasn't super. It was actually a great deal, which was part of this. So it was like a, a it was almost a. Right now, everyone's charging like three to four dollars per pound. This was like a buck a pound plus or minus right and but so,
1: but the space per use on that
0: space is one thing it it doesn't take up that much but it was like even compared to a kettlebell that you can swing and you can carry a little easier like a hundred pound dumbbell is just it's hard to carry especially when you're a smaller person because it's gonna like hit your side and you know it's just there's not so much you can do with it right You're pretty. The exercise that I can do with it. It's not that it wouldn't be an asset, but when you're like trying to divide money and space with this, it's you got to look at it, right? So this might be like a certain type of bike, or we have a shoe. (laughs) Our shoes are always overrunning things, right? So like I have very specific. They're minimal, like super minimal mud shoes, which was a bit of a splurge, and I do enjoy them. But in hindsight, those ones would be things that like just I don't use them that often because I can't run that long in them and like you're not generally running and like they're amazing in how much traction you get. They're basically like spikes. Right. But, yeah. So those are, that would be maybe a few examples. Which
1: leads neatly into the next note of understanding that you don't need the perfect gear for your sport. So yes, the mud shoes might be great in certain situations. Could you get by with trail shoes? Absolutely. So I think especially if it's a sport that you haven't fully committed to yet, how can you, how can you attempt to get into it without buying the full-on gear? Can you rent? Yeah. Can you just make what you have work?
0: we've had that with like paddle boards like it's an alluring thing to get and then you realize like the storage and the expense like even if you went and paddle boarded what is it it's like not even 20 bucks maybe it's gone up now but an hour of paddle boarding here we live we also live right beside a marina or very close to one so it's it's also convenient but again in in smaller spaces and when you think about the total amount you can use them some of this rental stuff even bikes right the local downhill place actually the Deal for rental equipment and bike was actually pretty affordable when you're thinking of like a six thousand dollar downhill bike it's a lot of
1: store yeah
0: even you know whatever it would have been like even 200 bucks right like for the amount of times you would go for downhilling,
1: even more to the perfect gear for the sport you realize that your enduro bike was just fine for ontario downhill for most of the runs at blue you were totally happy on your enduro bike
0: yeah this year i was pretty fortunate yeah the bikes are getting crazy right as far as what they can do so yeah I think. Yeah.
1: Uh, so the next thing's actually pretty bike related, I would say, but I think it's also like shoe and clothing related, which is like look for the middle ground. So a lot of the times, you know, we tend to advocate, I'd say more for like aluminum frames and then like higher quality components on bikes. Um, so really, you know, you don't need the highest, fanciest level model of everything. Usually there's a really good deal to be found kind of in the middle. You don't want to go for like the cheapest end of the spectrum, especially with bikes and like component groups. But often if you can get like the slightly less expensive frame, you can get better. You can, you know, afford the better parts for it.
0: Yeah. Again, unless you're really competing in something, right. You want to look at, you know, some of those middle ground you know equipment is there you know it's been trickled down to it so it's certainly uh, you can get a very durable and functional thing right is really what you're looking for right there's like that what does that say can be light cheap durable something yeah. like this i think we've mass you know i don't think that's the actual phrase but something yeah. like that
1: and i think i won't name any any company names but in apparel too there's there's a tipping point where it's you know you're really just paying for the label on some of that stuff so while i am all about higher end shorts and finding, you know, shorts that fit really well. Um, I think you can also, you know, go middle ground on like your jersey if you have to go super high end on your shorts. Also, that leads to the next one, which is optimize where you can and skimp where you can. So for me, skimping is like a cycling socks. Like I do not really care that much about what my socks look like.
0: Some people are very into socks.
1: Some people are very into it. So, you know, it's really just deciding what what things you're particularly into and, you know, focusing your your budget on them. But then, you know, maybe you opt for the cheaper option on your, your jersey or, you know, your shorts or Whatever else we're talking about. So, just sort of knowing where you want to spend the money and, you know, thinking through everything else. Um, and then the last point is that there should be space for new purchases. So, coming home with a new bike when you only have space for four bikes and there's already four bikes in the house, not a thing. Uh, you know, some people would do a bit of like a one in one out. So you can't bring a new bike in unless one bike leaves. Mm.
0: Um, You know,
1: I try to do that with apparel. Now, you know, if I get a new pair of running shorts, an old pair has to go, Uh, you know, ditto bike jerseys, stuff like that. Um, Basically, if there's no space for it, we won't create new spaces for gear. It's more about shit you know like okay we need to make sure that everything fits in the spaces we've already designated because I think once you start kind of just like adding and adding and adding you very quickly end up with like a hoarder paradise of a garage that's just all gear and you have no idea where anything is and you have 10 raincoats because you've just kept buying them these are problems that I've had, so this is not like a slam on anyone with ten raincoats.
0: Yeah, and I guess you know it gets back to everyone has different budgets and space, right? Like if you have a huge garage with lots of slots for for n plus one bikes or n plus one pairs of shoes, then more power to you then you
1: have a designated space and you're fine
0: yeah but every I think all this stuff right it's always this you know there it's not just the purchase price of the stuff it there is like an investment in time and energy and and stuff to maintain the stuff and and keep it in a clean sort of outlay right to to organize it right so there is that like when you're buying something that's part of the price is that you're going to have this maintenance cost this upkeep cost
1: yeah exactly All right. Well, that's the 11 ways to look at buying new gear. Hopefully a couple of those kind of made you think and, you know, whether it's rethinking a new purchase or realizing you need something, whatever. Um, yeah, we're we're super excited about everything else in the book. Uh, the the gear section is just honestly my personal favorite to write, and you know there's tons of other tips in there. So yeah, Sunday it is out. So pick up your copy. Uh, if you don't want to add it to your bookshelf because you're out of space, you can still get the ebook option on your Kindle, so you're not taking up any space in your house. And yeah, we, we hope you enjoy it. We hope you get out on some good adventures this weekend and definitely hit us up over at consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram. If you got the book, we'd love it if you tagged us in it or in a, in a photo of it and, you know, let us know what part you're enjoying. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Bye guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to the consummate athlete podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please do us a huge favor, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us bring on, you know, great new guests and yeah, we'd also love to hear from you. You can find us on the interwebs, um, at consummateathlete.com at consummateathlete on Instagram. Uh, and I am at Molly J. Herford on Instagram and Twitter. And Peter is at Peter Glassford. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week.